Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Mosaic Church. Stand with me if you would, please. Hold your Bibles up high. It's a great way to warm up. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Um, we're continuing this series, End of the World, question mark. Now, before anybody you turn this off, please understand this is not a doomsday message. This is a message of encouragement, realizing that all the events throughout world history uh, led up to an apex, if you will. If you, if you look back, starting in Genesis, you read through the Bible... Uh, maybe the one that is is most notable to us is the story of Judas, um, that there had to be a Judas for Jesus to be crucified. And at that time, many people, I'm sure, wondered why in the world would God allow this man, Judas, a betrayer, to be one of the disciples? It's kind of interesting that every one of us have a very unique role uh, in the world, and, and some people will not understand our role as we live that role out. And there are times like these, there are a lot of questions about what, where are we on the spectrum of time and eternity? Where are we at right now? And, and though no one can really answer that, and I don't really think that's what's really important is deciding or determining where we are in history, but determining where each of us are individually in our walk with God. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I've never been one that really loved surprises. I like getting things over with. I like closing things out. And I had an older brother, and I still have one, but when we were young, I have an older brother and a younger brother. And how many of you know that boys are different than girls? I don't care what society says. There's something flowing through a guy that ain't flowing through a girl. And you can't figure boys out. And, I mean, I'm sure that may be the case for girls, but boys are just, they got testosterone, whatever. So my brothers and I, we, we, you know, we had a car. We were sitting in the back seat, the three seats in the back. Didn't have seat belts. It's amazing we're still alive. Used to sleep on the back deck under the back, you know, I mean, all the crazy things we did. But my brothers and I would oftentimes get in a fight in, in the car, which my mom and dad did not like, did not allow. And so my dad, when we would get in a fight, and they'd turn around and say, you need to shut up, take your hands. But he touched me. I don't care. You know, the whole list of things that we've all heard. And then my dad would say these words, when we get home. You're all getting a spanking. I don't care who touched who first. And we'd be, you know, we'd be 10, 15 minutes from home, and I'd look and say, please stop the car and beat me now. You know, I, I just didn't like, 
I have an incredible imagination, and my imagination would run wild with me thinking, it's going to hurt so bad. What can I do to get out of this? And so the reality is it wouldn't have hurt worse when we got home than it, or, or when we stopped. It was all going to be the same. But as a kid, I didn't understand that. And there are people right now that, that are scared to death of what's going to happen. And so when you start thinking about eternity, when you in times like these, because let's face it, I think a lot of people have begun to think about what, what the world looks like, the condition of the world, what's going to happen when this all ceases to be. And there's a tremendous amount of fear. And I believe that fear is often the result of a lack of real good information. When you realize something really can't hurt you, you're not afraid of it. Now, when I was a kid, I was scared to death, as I said last week, of, of what, what the end might look like, what eternity might look like. I mean, things are changing so fast. As a matter of fact, in 1990, there was a survey done uh, concerning information. And in 1990, science and, and other leaders determined that in 1990, we only possessed 3% of the information that we would possess by 2012. In other words, there would be like 90-some percent of new information that we didn't have just in that period of time. And so imagine that in just a period of, of like 22 years. Well, now everything has sped up even more rapidly with technology. And uh, I read this this morning. It was really kind of, it's just, it's just kind of humorous, really. It's, uh, I found it to be. This is Ordering a pizza in 2022, not 2021, 2022. Caller, is this Pizza Hut? Google, no, sir, it's Google Pizza. Caller, I must have dialed the wrong number. I'm sorry. Google, no, sir, Google bought Pizza Hut last month. Caller, okay, I would like to order a pizza. Google, do you want your usual, sir? Caller, my usual, you know me? Google, according to our caller ID data sheet, the last 12 times you call, you ordered an extra large pizza with three cheeses, sausage, pepperoni, mushrooms, and meatballs on a thick crust. Caller, super, that's what I'll have. Google, may I suggest this time you order a pizza with ricotta, argula, sun-dried tomatoes, and olives on whole grain or whole wheat gluten-free thin crust. <laughs> caller, What? I don't want a vegetarian pizza. Google, your cholesterol's not good, sir. <laughs> Caller, I won't use the words they use. How do you know that? <laughs> Google, well, we cross-referenced your home phone number with your medical records. We have the result of your blood test for the last seven years. Caller, okay, but I do not want your rotten vegetarian, vegetarian pizza. I already take medication for my cholesterol. Google, excuse me, sir, but you have not taken your medication regularly. According to our database, you purchased only a box of 30 cholesterol tablets once at Walgreens Pharmacy four months ago. Caller, I bought more from another pharmacy. Google, that doesn't show on your credit card statement. Caller, I paid in cash. Google, but you did not withdraw enough cash according to your bank statement. <laughs> Caller, 
I have other sources of cash. Google, that doesn't show on your latest tax returns unless you bought them using an undeclared income source, which is against the law. Caller, what the? Uh, Google, <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. We use such information only with the sole intention of helping you. Caller, enough already. I'm sick to death of Google, Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp, and all the others. I'm going to an island without the internet, TV, where there is no phone service and no one to watch me or spy on me. Google, I understand, sir, but you need to renew your passport first. It expired six weeks ago. <laughs> Welcome to the future. So what's there to worry about when Google Pizza has all your data? And what's really crazy is as much as we laugh at this, this is now the world in which we live. I don't know if you read about it, but during the beginnings of the pandemic last year, um, <laughs> you know, our cell phones are supposed to be our cell phones. But the government began to use your cell phone to find out about your gathering patterns. And literally, this is accurate, you can Google it, Oklahoma City scored a D, which made me happy because I said, we still are gathering and loving each other. Now, I know that that frustrates some people and I understand it, but, but I'm trying to make a point here about the access that is now available to the powers that be in our world, and it's just a little touch freaky to me. But they were able to locate where you are by your cell phone, which my understanding is unconstitutional, but they did it anyway. So please understand, I'm not trying to scare anybody. Actually, I'm trying to give you enough information to help you go, it's all going to be all right. Because many, many people are afraid. Matter of fact, most of us have heard people say, well, I'm not real sure if I died where I'd go. And, and now my, what I want to do, and this is where I'm beginning to inform, why would you say I don't know if you've already repented of your sin and called on the name of the Lord? And let me tell you why. Because the devil wants you to measure your eternity by your behavior instead of your acceptance of his behavior. And so we live in this constant state of fear, especially people who have a... Uh, a knack for uh, going outside the lines a little bit. You know, every now and then we have people, believe it or not, that come in here drunk, and I know it, because I hug them at the door. And they act a little shy, and I say, just come on in. God will take care of it, and we'll see what happens. Maybe he'll turn some wine into water. <laughs> but but and with that said, in religious groups, and the world, believe it or not, is watching us, and I don't like calling us religious, but that's what the world will call us, so I'm going to use those, that word, religious. But people are scared to death of the church, which means they are even more scared to death of eternity and heaven in the end if they're scared of the church. And the reason they're afraid of the church is because the church historically has a poor record of crucifying its own. And criticizing its own and, and burying its own. And instead of saying, you know what? You know, I, I know all this sounds a little crazy and, and I'm wearing a sweatshirt today. So maybe that has something to do with it, a hoodie. But wouldn't it be great if, if we had norm chairs here? Norm. Cheers. 
No, Norm, everybody knows your name. Where you come in, everybody knows your name, and everybody celebrates your life, even when they know that it may not be up to the standard you desire, we desire, somebody else, but the reality is that we are loved and accepted because that's what heaven's going to be like. God's, we're not going to get to heaven and, and God's going to be this, okay, let's have a discussion about what you did with 60 years of your life. We're not going to count the first uh, 30. That means you're going to live to be 90. Let's see what you did with them. God's not going to sit down and have that conversation. It's going to be a celebration from the moment you crack through the pearly gates. It's a party. It's on. You say, well, but I'm not worried. I, I, I just want to get there. I hope I get there. You know, I have bad days just like you do. And on those bad days, the devil comes and says, huh, so you're a Christian, huh? To which I want to reply, and hopefully this is acceptable to you because it's his home. I wanted to look to the devil and say, go to hell. Oh, that's where you are. And that's where you want me to be. But I'm not going there because I've been delivered and set free. And then there are good religious people who say, well, you don't look set free to me. You don't act set free to me. You got mad at me. You did this. You did that. And I understand that the Holy Spirit was given to us for self-control. But the reality is I want us to understand the most important thing in the world right now, aside from our relationship, personal relationship with God, is our response to mankind. That's why I'm preaching this because there are people that are on the edge right now they're scared to death. They don't know what to do. They're vulnerable. They're, they're looking. They're seeking. And if we as the church don't have a better answer than, well, you need to straighten up. You need to stop doing this. And you need to start doing this. That's not who we are. It should be, I need to start doing this. Loving you the way Jesus loves me. Amen. Believing in you the way Jesus believes in me, me. Helping you the way Jesus helps me. That's what we're called to do. So let's just play out this out for a moment and say, yeah, this could be the end. Great. Then that means we, we should be more excited than ever because we've got so much opportunity. Now, let me read this to you in Matthew chapter 24. I'm going to go back and read the whole four, verse 4 through 14. Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Hello. But see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end still uh, is, is still to come. Nation will rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted, put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. Now, can you imagine just for a moment sitting in that room or wherever Jesus is writing and talking to these guys, and they're going, hold it, I didn't sign up for this. But in reality, because of their great love for Jesus, they said, we did sign up for this. If I were to die for the cause of Christ would be the greatest honor ever. And they knew that. Now, again, that sounds so foreign to a nation that has created this self-centered culture of what's in it for me. Because that's the first question that everybody asks when there's a contract on a table. What's in it for me? Well, let me tell you what's in it for you. The Bible tells us to go into all the world, preach the gospels, and make disciples of all people. 
That's what's in it for us. Is we get to take as many people to heaven with us as we can possibly talk to. And it goes on to say, At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Now, I'm not trying to scare anybody, but this passage of Scripture is being seemingly fulfilled before our very eyes. And again, it reminds me as I'm preparing every week for this, this, this sermon or this kind of sermon or this series is that I realize I have a greater responsibility than sometimes I remember. I want us as a church to never lose focus of why we are gathered here. We're not gathered here just to love on each other. That's a part of it. Fellowship is a part of it. But we're really gathered here to, to, for the purpose of being so full of God that wherever we go, we're going to touch people. Because that's what we're called to do. If I could boil down why we're on earth, it, it might be two things. Number one, to prepare us for heaven. Number two, to get other people prepared for heaven. And, of course, then, then somebody's going to say, well, and we're called to worship. I get all that. But the greater purpose is the greater commission than what we're used to hearing about. And, and please understand, I, I love all the talking about words and finances and all the different things that I preach about. I love those. But the reality is that this is a foundational message on which we are to build our lives. If this were the end, who would you want to reach? Who would you want to touch? Who would you want to talk to? Is there somebody in your family? You say, but yeah, but they won't listen. Well, you know what? They just might if you keep on believing and keep on praying. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. And they'll say things like, oh, everybody's going to heaven. Oh, we're not even close to... Oh, and, and before long, we're lulled to sleep thinking there's plenty of time. There's plenty of time. It's not going to happen in my lifetime. Can I tell you all something? I used to pray it wouldn't, and now I pray it does. Can you imagine? I would love to see a flying horse, a real flying horse. You say, well, how's that going to happen? It says he's coming back on a white horse. I assume that sucker's floating. And for all of you equestrian lovers, it's going to be a great day. And the reason I smile and have some fun with this is because to me, it's wonderful to live life without being controlled daily by fear. Fear is one of our greatest enemies. It will keep us from doing what we're called to do, being who we're called to be. We don't laugh enough. We just don't laugh enough in our society. I find stupid things to laugh about. I'll watch stupid movies just because I want to laugh at stupid. I like laughing. The Bible says laughter is good medicine. Children laugh numerous times more than us. I wish I had that stat. But, but children, they don't have a care in the world. They don't, they don't know about the gas bill. They don't know about the mortgage. They don't know about the broken down water heater. They don't know that the car's not running. All they know is they get up every day, and it's going to be a great day. The Bible says unless we become like little children. I'm not talking about being childish. I'm talking about being childlike. And there is a difference. I'm talking about being able to, to laugh and enjoy the day and go, yep, that broke. Isn't that funny? You say, yeah, but you don't understand. I understand one thing. 
your fear is not going to change anything for the good. Our worry is not going to help us at all. You say, yeah, well, it'll motivate me. If you're motivated by fear and out of fear, you'll live in fear. And it goes on to say, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Now the beauty of this passage is we used to wonder how that would happen. But now the world is filled with immediate access to information. You can go online 24-7 and watch any Christian communicator pastor, leader that you want to watch. People are watching from around the world right now, even as I'm preaching, and, and they are watching numerous pastors, 400-some thousand in America alone, but I know in Africa, <coughs> there are people watching. There are people watching in Idaho, Utah. They're watching from all over. They're telling their friends. You don't even have to get up, get out of bed to get the gospel into your heart and mind. Now, there's a part of me that loves that, and there's a part of me that hates that as a pastor. But the part of me that loves it is, I'm not important, Jesus is. And whether somebody wants to come and sit in a nice, comfortable, warm chair in a building, sitting next to beautiful, wonderful, incredible people like you, I don't get why they wouldn't want to. But one thing I do know, the most important thing is that now people can get the message of the gospel from wherever they are. And that's what's most important. And that's why I'm preaching about could this be the end. Is because if it is, and if you even ask yourself the question, if this were my last day on earth, how would I want to spend it? Well, if I asked my wife that question, she'd say eating crab legs. No, I mean, we all would have, well, here's what I want to do, and here's how I want to do it. And, and we all have this list of things that we would want to do, and that's okay. But if this, think about it deeper, a little more deeply than that. Let's just think about it and go, who would I want to touch? Who would I want to talk to? What conversation would I want to have? And let me just say this to young people today. Because it is so different. And I'm not saying it's better, worse, right, or wrong. But I'm saying it is very different. What would you want to say to your mom or dad? What would you want to say to your grandfather, your grandmother? What would you want to hear from them? And I'm going to challenge you because I'm doing a little book for my grandkids, or at least a couple of them, that I was given this book. Tell the story of your life. Now, before I pass, somewhere around 100, 110, I want to do a recording, maybe 120, is that, that's what we're given, right? I, I want to sit down and I want to record and say, when I was growing up, Here's what, I, what it was like. Can you imagine? I wish I, back in the day, there were no re recorders, or at least we couldn't afford one, to sit down and ask my grandfather, how was it being a dad to 10 children and losing two of your kids at childbirth that were twins? What was that like? What did you feel? Because he was a Christian man. What did you do? How did you lean on God? What, how did you navigate? You were in poverty. You have 10 kids. You lose two of them. What was that like? We spend too much time not caring about how we can be informed enough to prepare our own hearts for eternity. 
No, it's what did you get me for Christmas? Well, my grandparents never got me anything because they didn't have any money. So as a result of that, being a, an insensitive, selfish child, I didn't really have time for them because they didn't have the money for me. And I missed out on a lot. It wasn't intentional. I'm just a young kid that was moved by toys. So I guess what I'm saying today is we need to identify what moves us and answer the question, why does that move me so much? I don't know how many of you have set any kind of goal for this year, but whenever you do, have eternity in mind. What would this look like if Jesus were sitting here? What would it look like if I was sitting there? Now, please understand, when I say these things, I have not arrived. (laughs) I am working on these things. But my goal for 2021, and some of you are going to think this is absolutely the silliest goal ever. Because you're very nice. You're patient. You're kind. By nature, I'm quite the opposite by human nature. I am driven by my own human nature. Now, I'm better than I used to be, but not as good as I want to be, but I'm going to get there. Because my pursuit is, and thank God for Tim McGraw, always be humble and kind. Always be humble and kind. That is not my nature. Now, that probably isn't anybody's nature, but for some reason, some people cover it better than others. I've just never been able to. And I don't want to. What I want to do is authentically this year, if you can say, what's your number one goal? Is to never get angry one day. Now, for some of you, you're so precious and full of God. You get angry, you just don't show it. Then there are people like me who go, here it is, baby. Don't like that. There are things I don't like about me. And some people say, well, I, I, don't, there, I, I like all of me. No, you don't. Not if you're honest. And so what I'm saying today is I'm measuring my life or attempting to, saying, if this were the last day, what would be the last thing I said? And not that it would affect where I'm going, heaven or not, but it would affect the people that have yet to go or have yet to pass and I'm gone and all I care about is me I'm going to heaven but what am I leaving behind watching events unfold worldwide the only true security anyone can have one person says is in knowing his or her name is written in the Lamb's book of life Put us, putting aside calculations and calendars to examine recent world events trends conditions there are four global megatrends that coincide with Bible prophecy. Many people who call themselves Christians have never opened the Bible. Now, again, when I say that, if they've called on the name of the Lord and they've asked him to forgive them, they're saved. The, what the devil really wants is for us to be ignorant believers. So that he can steal our destiny on this side of heaven. Without realizing the effect and impact that we live with every day. You say, well, I have no influence on anybody. Oh, yes, you do. You have influence on everybody you come in contact with. 
You say, but I, I, I never try to lead anybody or tell anybody anything. They're still watching your life and how you respond to crises, conflict, difficulty, challenge. They're watching you. You and I are a living, walking, breathing testimony of what we believe. It doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect. And many people are trying to be perfect. You'll never be perfect. But the goal is that in our pursuit of God, we might find some level of excellence that we can leave with people to cause them to believe that the God that we served and talked about is worthy of our praise, our honor, and our worship. And if we respond to others with the meanness that they've come at us with, we have not done any good whatsoever. Oh, trust me. When someone attacks you, everything in us wants to attack back. I will not discount that. It'd be a lie. I'm going to tell you, I, wanna, I don't want to, I want to choke them. My flesh just literally wants to go, okay, we can end this right now. They will still die with that same opinion of you if you choke them to death. You haven't changed their opinion. You just changed their departure date. So when you think, if I can just say what I need to say, we'll get this fixed. No, you won't. Because you and I can't fix somebody else's heart or change their mind or change their decisions. Only God can do that. And the best way for that to happen is to love them. It's easy to love people who love us. You can just get all flowery and pink and all that. Just, just precious. But when you have to love somebody who hates your guts, that's when you know your Christianity and the level of your faith. And when I say this, please understand, I'm right with all humankind going, you're so wrong. But the reality is what matters is it's not your problem. It's your response to your problem, which is the problem. So, first off, there is the move toward glo a global economy visible when changing conditions in Germany or Japan affect Wall Street within hours. Now it's within minutes. Now, here's the funny thing, and Americans finally wised up quickly when they said, I don't know how many read signs, we have a shortage of change, please pay by card. There's no shortage of change. We had the same amount on May the 22nd that we did on March 22nd that we did March 15th. There was the same circulation of coins. Why all of a sudden do we have a shortage? What, people are saving pennies? I don't think so. A penny ain't worth a penny. And so the move toward a global economy, please understand this. Do not miss this. And I am not a scholar on biblical prophecy, but I do have enough knowledge to know that was dumb. Whoever said we're running out of coins? But you have to understand, when you start looking at things, you start seeing what's going on in our world today. Number two, the second megatrend is the rise of a united Europe. Which the currency, the euro currency, when they went from the pound and the franc to start using euros to consolidate... The currency, with the disintegration of the Soviet Union, demise of the Warsaw Pact, European unity is finally possible. 
I believe with Switzerland being the only holdout at the time. Third is the isolation of Israel. Now this is very important because we're told to pray for Israel. And the great battle of moving the capital from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem was a major move. You've got to understand, most people didn't even think about it. They just thought it was a political thing. It was a biblical thing all the way. Moving Jerusalem, making Jerusalem the capital city of Israel, instead of having Tel Aviv and all, all of the embassies in Tel Aviv, everything started moving back to the holy city. I'm not trying to scare you. I just find it very interesting that we have, we're paying so much attention to politics that we've missed out on the biblical movement going on here. This is awesome stuff. I mean, think about it. If I told you Jesus was, I would want Jesus to come back. If somebody said, well, ideally, when would that be? I'd love for it to be like on the 30th of the month so that the mortgage that's due on the 1st doesn't have to be paid. <laughs> See ya! I know it doesn't sound very pastoral, but I'd like to leave about 90 days of bills on the table going, I'm out. Good luck collecting those. Last is the collapse of Marxism in much of the world with the People's Republic of China and North Korea being the last holdouts. And so, This is old information, by the way, so if you're really up on history or modern-day history, this may frustrate you, but these are, these are reports, research done some time ago. China has recently taken a step toward a market economy by establishing a Chinese stock exchange, which is old news now. But you can see all of this building up. And what I want to say is this. It could be could be four minutes, four days, four weeks, four months, four years, 400 years. I don't know. But what I do know is this, that when you start thinking about eternity, it changes how you think. About your eternity, your kids' eternity, your grandkids' eternity. That what, what's the world? You know, it'd be real easy for me to say, yeah, I'm old enough now to where I, I'm just not really that worried about it. I'm not, not going anywhere quickly, but, but I'm just old enough now to where I look and go, you know what, I, I think I figured this out. I really am saved by grace through faith. Amen. Not by my works so that I can't boast. Not by my actions. Now, granted, I believe in, in doing our very best to live a Christian life. The problem with living a Christian life in, in, in the religious sector is this. That we're looking at the wrong things, in my opinion. We're looking at a person's behavior exclusively and measuring whether or not they love God. There are some cranky people who love Jesus. I've got to tell you right now, you don't even want to live in the same community in heaven because you're afraid they're going to stir it up again. But, but, but we measure that crankiness and say, well, there's no way they can be a believer. Well, then they look back at you and you, you know, the old saying is, don't judge me because I sin differently than you. Because we all sin differently than one another. And what's sin to you may not be sin to somebody else. You say, but it's very clear in the Bible. Some things are clear, but what I found is most aren't. Number one, if I could measure anybody say, love your neighbors, you love yourself, I'm going to tell you, I don't care what they do after that almost. Because if they can do that, they're probably not doing a lot of more stupid stuff because love is at the forefront of their life. When love is at the forefront of your life, it's like everything else falls into place because everything you do is filtered through love, even when you're cranky. And you come back and say, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Didn't want to do that. Please forgive me. Instead of fighting to say, but you know what? You made me act that way. 
Nobody can make you act the way you're acting. That is your choice. But, but they pulled out in front of me. I don't care if you act unbecomingly because somebody pulled out in front of you. It's still on you. But they shouldn't have done that. Of course they shouldn't have done that. But, and this is, you, you guys know driving is, if, if we went to heaven because of our driving record, I'd go to hell. Because patience behind the wheel is not my strong suit. But I'm working on it, and I'm a whole lot better than I used to be. And, and, and then there's the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and when they're not working, Susan is. <laughs> Honey, don't, don't honk at them. It's like God saying, we can't get to you, so we're going to use her. <laughs> How many of you have somebody in your life like that? You ought to be thankful. And it's not because I can't go to heaven. It's just because it's hell on earth when you act that way. I admire you patient, wonderful people that are so kind and humble and patient. You're my heroes. I want to be like you when I grow up, if I ever grow up. So I'm going to close with this, at least for the first time. There's a fable which tells of three apprentice devils who were coming to this earth to finish their apprenticeship. They were talking to Satan, the chief of the devils, about their plans to tempt and ruin mankind. The first said, I'll tell them there's no God. Satan said, that will not delude many, for they know that there is a God. The second devil said, I'll tell men there's no hell. Satan answered, you'll deceive no one that way. Men know even now that there is a hell for sin. The third said, I'll tell them, I'll tell men there's no hurry. Go, said Satan, and you'll ruin them by the thousands. The most dangerous of all delusions is that there's plenty of time. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm just trying to say, and I'll get in next week. You, you really want to be here because I'm going to tell you why I spent two weeks on an introduction. Because it's very, very important for us to understand. If I could tell you anything that and I said it last week, measure everything in our lives by eternity. Or if today were the end, what would I want that to look like? Just ask that question. If today... You had the opportunity. If I, I look back in October of, of 2014 when I lost my father, fortunately I had a very good conversation before he passed with him, but it wasn't complete. And I look and I go, I wish I would have sat down. You see what I'm saying? We all think, I wish, I wish. Well, stop wishing and start doing. What is it today that you need to do that's going to make a difference in somebody else's life. Because sometimes we don't understand what somebody's been through. We don't understand what somebody's had to deal with their whole life. We don't understand the abuse, the neglect, the abandonment, the criticism, the, the mockery being made fun of as a kid. And I mean, I hated my name in elementary school with Mark Anthony Crow. And, and they go, Mark Anthony, where's Cleopatra? I told my mother, I said, why'd you have to name me this name? It begins early. I mean, the devil finds you early. Kids are brutal 
We've all watched. I look back, and I just want to go find all the kids I messed with when I was a kid going, I didn't mean to call you that. I wish I hadn't said that. I wish I You see what I'm saying? But we're, we're born, we're fallen, we're fallen creatures. And all I thought about heaven was it was a place that we, we go after we die, possibly, maybe, if we're good enough. That's all I thought when I was a kid. I didn't realize God loved me. I didn't know he was a good God. I thought he was a mean, judgmental God that was just looking forward to throwing a bunch of people into hell because they didn't act right. I didn't know that. And you know why the world doesn't know that? Because the church oftentimes still acts like that. You don't measure up. You don't believe what we believe. You don't act the way we act. You don't talk the way we talk. You don't worship the way we worship. Instead of just saying, you know what? We're going to love you. And I promise you, if the Bible is true, and I believe it is, of all Scripture, love never fails. Now, I've got to tell you, sometimes love is slow as molasses. It's just slow. And you keep thinking, I've loved you for, I've loved you for four years. And Jesus would respond, I've loved you for over 60. You need to shut up. Oh, okay. So I guess it's not too bad that I've loved someone five. You've loved me my whole life. The mess I've been and the things I've done, you've loved me anyway. And we boast about loving someone for five years, 10 years, 20 years. And Jesus said, I gave my life. That's how much I loved you. And I'm still loving you in the midst of what you did honking yesterday. You honking Christian. That's kind of what I would get a bumper sticker. I'm a honking Christian. Get out of my way, you know. But you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt, the Bible says all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, you know what? Some people say, yeah, but, but, but you know, it's only just begun when that happens. And here all the, you know, when I got saved, if you'd have told me I had to do one thing to impress God, I would have backslidden on that day. Because I knew I did not have the capacity to serve him and to obey him and to be good. I knew I did not have that capacity. I wanted to, but I didn't have it. And let me just tell you, we have put new Christians in a box. We've put young Christians in a box. We've put old Christians in a box and said, you know, you got to stay in this box. But the Bible says whoever the sun sets free is free indeed. And I promise you, if we'll love people, there's a chance people will change. If you require people to change, they may act differently, but they're really not changed. You see, people can change their behavior based on fear and threats, but it doesn't mean they have a changed heart. The goal is not to change someone's behavior, but to love them in such a way that they would give God their heart and that they would choose how to change. I believe, and please, I never want things to be political, but please understand something. The greatest response that Christians can have toward any elected official is to say, I'm praying for you. Not, I hate your guts and I don't like what you stand for. And I'm just going to tell you, this week will be another week where we're watching how people behave and God help us as Christians that we behave in a way that Jesus would behave.
Don't suppress your emotions. Give your emotions to Jesus and say, Jesus, here they are. I'm giving my expression to you, and I want you to give expression to everything else. Help me. Because I have, I'm exhausted seeing the hatred, the meanness in our world today. It, I can't even watch and can barely read because my heart is grieved that we can't. You say, but you don't understand. Here's what I do understand. I do understand that everything that's happening today God is aware of. Jesus wasn't, he didn't look at Judas and go, I can't believe I picked you. What were you thinking? Jesus knew exactly what he was doing when he included Jesus, uh, Judas in the 12. Let me tell you something. Jesus knows exactly what he's doing today. And this is not something we need to worry about. This is something we need to pray about, people we need to pray for. And at the end of the day, if you, if you want to boil a pot of oil and drop me in it, I'll just give John a call and say, how warm was it and how did it really feel? You say, but that's ridiculous. If you're a believer, you do not have a spirit of fear. And the reason I can smile is because I'm getting that revelation more every day that it's so important that we understand the greatness of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for who you are. Not just what you do, though what you do is incredible. But thank you for who you are. You are love. You don't just love. You are love personified. Holy Spirit, make us lovers of mankind. Lovers of our God first, but let us love one another. Help us, God. Knowing that we don't know when the end is, we don't know. We just know there is an eternity, there is a heaven, and there is a hell. And, and Lord, it's not about how good we are. It's about how great you are. And let your greatness work through us so that those around us will see you in us. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to ask everyone to pray this prayer with me, especially those of you who have yet to receive Christ as your Savior, those who have walked away uh, from him in fear that you, he would never accept you back. He never let you go. So now it's on you to realize God loves you. And you still belong to him. But let's pray this prayer together. Acknowledging that we all need a savior. That we're all sinners. And the only way we're saved is by grace. Through faith in him. So let's pray. Father God. Thank you so much. For sending your only son. To die on the cross. For my sin. Jesus thank you. For giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. And I thank you that I am saved. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or to recommit your life, please text the word saved and your name to 405-500-1310. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.